Welcome everyone to HPAC On The Air. Our special guest this month is Mick Schwedler, the 2021-22 president of ASHRAE and a 40-year industry veteran uh, based in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Mick is now a principal and senior applications engineer at TRAIN, where he has worked since 1982. From the beginning, he has been active in development, training, and support of energy efficient systems. And today's primary responsibility is helping designers, building owners, and operators to properly apply those systems into more efficient and sustainable projects. As ASHRAE president, he has additional goals, and that's what we'll be focusing on today. So Mick, thanks very much for joining us on HPAC On The Air. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. We've had a long relationship between HPAC and, and me, and it's it's been a privilege to be with you along the along that ride. Oh, very good. Yes, and and uh, HPAC and, and Ashray's had a long relationship too. So it's mm -hmm. it's 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 nice to keep renewing those ties. So I I know you're you're pressed for time as as uh, you, so we're wearing so many hats, but we'll uh, we'll jump right in here, I guess, and just say now in preparation for our, our talk today, I rewatched your inaugural presidential address uh, on the Ashray website from last June, and I encourage uh, anybody who hasn't seen it to, to, uh, to click on that and take a look at it as well. And I was struck again by how emotional and heartfelt it was. And, and clearly being an engineer now in your 40th year at TRAIN uh, is more than just a job for you. Could you take us a moment here just to speak to, the, to that viewpoint a little bit and how it's influencing your year as, uh, as ASFRA president now? Some people have told me that engineers can be people too. <laughs> <laughs> Really, as we look at ourselves in our industry, oftentimes we get caught up in the technical terms. We, we get down to the nitty gritty, but um, we also talked about Harry Crane's vision when we started Ashby in 1894. He wanted to form acquaintances. I can share with the audience, my best two friends in the world, I get to see every six months at Ashby conferences. We've helped each other from a personal standpoint through dark times in our lives, through joyful times in our lives, One's dealing with uh, early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. So while the work that we do is important, so are those relationships and how we consult, we network with one another because it, when we get to the, to, to the end, it isn't just a building that reduces emissions. It's the people in the building. It's the team that put the building together, the contractors, the architects, the technicians. So really, it, the people matter. And one of the things our, our parents taught us when we were growing up is to, to leave things better than when you found them. And that I think is what the discussions we're having today with reducing emissions and sustainability. So the heartfelt part is that we deal with people every day and that, that's wonderful. And together, together and collectively, we have tremendous global impact. Well, thanks. And as we've discussed here on, on, on pro previous episodes, it, it, talking about the, you know, the global impact of ASHRAE. Uh, and now in previous episodes, we spoke here with, uh, with your predecessor, Chuck Gulledge, and the Epidemic Task Force Chair, Bill Bonfleff. So this has been no ordinary time for, for ASHRAE, that's for sure. And the pandemic has put the organization front and center for, for many ongoing debates and, and right into a leadership role uh, providing guidance on indoor air quality at schools and businesses around the world. Now, how do you see that role evolving um, even post-pandemic? But it's no been no ordinary time for anybody in the entire world. Mm -hmm. um, what we've learned is that we are connected. And frankly, our industry has never been more relevant or essential. 
Our industry got vaccines to people safely by keeping them cold. Mm -hmm. Our industry helped mitigate the spread of the diseases through how we ventilated buildings, how we ran our systems. We helped people reopen buildings. So the epidemic task force put out the information for our grassroots people to use, the people on the ground, the people in every location to help those building owners. They use, and they also use the right words. We didn't talk about indoor environmental quality and certain filtration methods. We gave them concrete things that they could understand. Therefore, the, the engineers, the architects, and the building owners all received the information saying words like, here's how you reopen your buildings. Here's how you keep people safe. If, if we think of it, many times we get so enamored with our technical content that we're, we forget that people use it. Mm -hmm. And when ASHRAE is mentioned in Business Week and in the Wall Street Journal for good reasons, that means we are reaching out to the world and fulfilling our mission to serve humanity. I'm just curious, how long has the, the serve humanity words, have, have, have that been in the, the mission statement since the beginning or were they added in, in, in recent decades? Or? There, there were various portions of that. In the past, it was at the end of our mission statement. Mm -hmm. And then when we redid our strategic plan in I think 2019, uh, we had a group working on it, they said, Let's put the real reason we're doing this up front. Mm -hmm. We put the technical things up front and before, now it's to serve humanity through the arts and sciences of HVAC and R. Well, that makes sense. And in and, uh, and that broader sense of serving humanity, um, now one separate initiative that, that I know has just been launched by ASHRAE also is the, the new task force on building decarbonization. The end of this month, the beginning of next month, I guess in Scotland is the, the big uh, COPT, not COPT, but COP26 uh, Global Climate Conference. Now, with that setting to begin, how would you say, uh, can you tell us a little bit about this new task force and, and the, well, also the industry letter that ASHRAE uh, just co-signed, I guess, uh, at the end of uh, uh, last month, I think, with uh, urging world governments to act on climate change. So the task force on building decarbonization is really patterned after the epidemic task force. What did we do right there? First of all, we got the bureaucracy out of the experts' ways. Mm -hmm. Next, we allowed the experts to reach out and have a global reach. Uh, the ETF had more than 150 global experts and the task force on building decarbonization is over hundred today. Wow. And the other thing we wanna do is we wanna, we wanna make sure we're not just putting the technical information out, but making it usable. What's gonna ha happen at COP26 is there are going to be a lot of people's making commitments. Uh, Ginger Scoggins, who's the treasurer this year, is going to be attending. And we've been coordinating with other groups in order to, to have that impact. A part of that coordination was signing the letter. And the letter urged people to make a difference, to make a change but the real benefits aren't accrued on paper. They're not accrued by people making commitments. The real benefits are when we can actually reduce the emissions. And the task force on building decarbonization is working at providing that practical day-to-day -day information that allows the building owners working with their design and construction and operation teams to reduce the emissions. Uh, sometimes we also forget that we get 
caught up in the new thing. And the new thing is decarbonization, reducing emissions. And sometimes we forget that starts with reducing the energy usage. Sometimes that seems passe, but it's not. Because when we reduce the energy emissions, we are automatically going to reduce our carbon emissions and other environmental emissions. So COP26 is a starting point. We're going to see a lot of headlines, but the real work is how do we have a positive impact on the environment? And that's what the newest tax task force is working on. And part of that even, I guess, just uh, well, more than symbolically, but even practically, the, the ASHRAE's uh, own headquarters is, is symbolic of that, I understand. And, and I believe, I know it's been open for almost a year, um, uh, technically, I guess, but next next month, Jan and November is the uh, the official grand opening. Uh, yeah. Maybe said we're finally going to be able to have a grand opening where we have more people than we could have had in the past. And when we were, so we ended up selling our building because the hospital around us had bought up all the properties around us. We were becoming an island, and that was really not a very good place for our employees. So the question we had is, do we build a new building? And this was outside of Atlanta, right? Or, or Correct. This is okay. uh, just north of Atlanta. Do, do we build a new building? Do we lease a building? Do we walk the talk and renovate an existing building? Mm -hmm. And we, we took the hard path. Let's take a 1978 building where the envelope isn't right, mm -hmm. where the building isn't right. Let's retrofit it to be low energy, and then let's apply renewable energy. So just, I, I think it was last week, our photovoltaic array got turned on and we started to do the metering. So our hope is that we will be at net zero building from that standpoint and certainly greatly reduced emissions due to the renewable energy. But, but the vision of ASHRAE is the reason we did that. And that is a healthy and sustainable built environment for all. Well, very good. And, and, and good luck with, uh, with hitting all the goals. Uh, I guess you won't hit them right out of the gate, but maybe so. We'll, uh... We're trying. Okay. Yep. Now, another uh, initiative that, uh, and sign of modern times, I guess and this is highlighted in your presidential address that's online, is the uh, ASHRAE Board's uh, new Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Subcommittee. I wondered if you could speak a little bit to that role uh, or to the role that that outreach effort will have and, and what you hope to see it accomplish while you're in office here uh, and beyond. Thanks for asking about that. Our board were asked by our members and many people in the last year and a half to make statements about things that are happening in the world. And that could have been done, but the board decided that's not the path it wanted to follow. It wanted to change. It wanted to change the industry and it wanted to be a leader in the industry. So we put together the first board subcommittee in quite a while, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's populated by the members of the board of directors. They get input from our grassroots, our 51,000 members throughout the world. We've had 12 regional conferences this fall where the people from the chapters are talking to the board members and either the president, president-elect or treasurer, the, the three uh, leaders of that board. And the feedback we're getting is, we want to move forward, not just to make things diverse, not to just to make things equitable or inclusive. Our industry needs the brilliant and talented people that we don't even know about today. 
And frankly, they don't know about our industry either. They don't know that we help solve the environmental problems. They don't know that we keep people safe. So we want to find ways to reach out to those who are underserved, who are underrepresented, underrepresented, but always keep the excellence of the society so that we can serve humanity as we talked about before. And I would think that that, uh, well, part of the outreach is that seems to be a particular emphasis as you're saying there. And, and that outreach, I guess, as you suggest, would have a natural um, connection to the next generation, I guess, into recruiting into, uh, which is another thing we always hear about of, of how to, um, you know, where is, the, is that talent coming from? And uh, it would seem that the, the task force and, uh, and a number of other efforts that you've, I guess, started since, since you became president as well, uh, the, I, I think these member to member podcasts, I think you've started monthly and uh, um, that there's also this other parts of the strategy of just trying to maybe get outside the comfort zone and do more social media, I guess, to, to, to go at the younger audience. I wonder if you could I think you're saying the podcasts were even inspired by uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's fireside chats, which uh, um, I know we didn't have a Twitter account, but uh, but this might be the next best thing. But uh, tell us a little bit more about about the outreach and out, out I guess it goes beyond even the diversity, equity, and inclusion subcommittee, or or just dovetails with it uh, so naturally. Yeah, thanks for putting that so succinctly. When we looked at the what the how the pandemic has affected people we realized that people need to be with one another. I've always felt myself a homebody, but not that much of a homebody. To be only around family for a long time affected people. Well, FDR was trying to connect with people and he did it through, through the medium he had. It was radio. And some of the viewers might not have seen or heard the type of radios that FDR talked on. And as fireside chats, really, we looked at that and we said, there's some opportunities here to use the newer technologies. Uh, last year's president, uh, Chuck Gulledge, encouraged all of us to embrace technology. Well, we were forced to do that, but we also wanted to take the positives. How do we use this technology to reach out to our members? So the, the member to member connections are 12 to 15 minute videos of conversations with our members. And uh, we've had uh, three so far. The fourth might actually be up there. And one in particular, uh, Dr. Julia Keene, she and I served as vice presidents together within ASHRAE. Uh, our families are very close and we've known each other for years. But when we talked about uh, a woman's perspective on ASHRAE in the industry today, she brought up things, different perspectives that really caught my attention. I had to ask her questions about it. And I would suggest anybody can look at that video and the other videos and learn. It isn't just a woman's perspective. It's how do we, as men, interact? How can we make things better? And how do we work together as a team? So that's what we're using our member-to-member connections. I'm becoming more active on social media. Now, on mm -hmm. some of them, I have uh, ASHRAE staff help because they're much better at it than I the, the goal really is to connect with the people and help us all emerge from the pandemic. This is the first crisis in my lifetime that we've really experienced. We had some small things, but they didn't affect everybody. 
this one affected everybody in the world. Mm -hmm. We each reacted to it differently. We each dealt with it differently. And we're all going to emerge differently. And we need to make sure that we're, we're flexible. We're sensitive about allowing people to emerge the way that they need to and at the time that they need to. In the meantime, we're going to use the technology to connect, to share, and to, to be as close to one another as we can. So those were really some of the goals of the member-to-member -member connections and using the, the social media. And then, for example, our grassroots, I got an email from one of our uh, one of our leaders down in our Cincinnati chapter, and he said in their newsletter, they are asking people about with different questions so that they can feed the roots, which is really a focus of our theme. We want to make sure that next generation comes in. It's trained. It's excited. It realizes the impact we have on our industry, on the world, and as you said, on the next generations to come. So it's an exciting time, and we're grateful to have the opportunity and, and, and the means to reach out to the, all the people. Very good. And I, actually, I, it reminded me when you were talking before about the, uh, uh, all the chapters around the world and the 51,000 members. And, and when we spoke with, uh, with Chuck Gullich uh, some months ago, he was talking about how an unexpected benefit, I guess, was by able to Zoom and, and attend so many chapter meetings around the world without the, uh, uh, without the travel, I guess, without, I mean, just be able to, 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 to Zoom in on, uh, drop in on, on people around the world. And is that part of, do you foresee some of that continuing, I guess, with you, with, uh, in your year here? Called me in July of 2020 and said, Mick, I want to visit every chapter. <laughs> oh, I, it just floored me. He had 154 chapter events. Wow. He reached out to tens of thousands of members. And when we have had a chance to contact them, they felt connected to Chuck. They, they would have rather been with him in person, but they felt connected because he made that effort. So we are, we are already using the virtual environment. I've been in India, Pakistan, Bahrain. Um, I think I've been in South America throughout, throughout the world using the technologies because we can't get there today because of the pandemic. And also because instead of spending three days, people can spend an hour. But we can't lose sight of it's important to get back together as a community. And when we've also, we're also getting out to our chapters and our regional conferences as we can, and the people are excited to be back together. Um, people, we had an, an HR Expo in Mexico. People were back together. They were masked, they were socially distanced, mm -hmm. but it was time. We have our winter conference in Las Vegas coming up. People are very excited about getting back together, but we are also the chapters, regions, and society are, are using the technology so people can attend virtually. People who can't travel or don't feel comfortable yet are still able to participate and more important to contribute to the efforts. Well, very good. That sounds, uh, it does sound exciting and, and uh, uh, progressive, expansive and all, all the good things. Um, I, look, I look forward to, uh, to meeting you in, in uh, in Las Vegas, like at the end of end of January, I guess, right? At, at the beginning of February, the at that uh, the winter yep. meeting. 
Exactly. And Rob, thank you so much for the opportunity with, with HPAC and the podcast. And your, your questions have been absolutely fantastic and really thought provoking. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Chuck. And with, with all the, the hats you're wearing, I'm, I'm sure you have another podcast or webinar right now that you have to get off to. We certainly wish you continued success on all that you and Ashray have in front of you at this extraordinary time. So my thanks to all of our listeners today. Uh, thanks for joining us. And if, if you like what you've heard, please share this content with your friends and colleagues. Please visit the members only section of our website, hpac.com, to check out other podcasts and exclusive content. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Take care and thank you again, Mick, and uh, um, we'll see you next time.